Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Greetings, this is Khalil Wanda. And it's Agard. What up, people? Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Reggae Lover Podcast. Big up to the listeners on NiceUpRadio.com, listening live right now. Yeah, man. Everybody listening to all podcast platforms across the world. Thank you for listening. Our main topic today is the top five revolutionary reggae songs of all time. And, you know, we had a great co-host slash guest slash friend of the show, Ross Jamal. You know, he he had a lot of good insight for us, especially what's going on now, what's happened in the past, and what we hope for the future. Yeah, man, so check out our conversation with Ross Jamal. I wanted to talk about the revolution that's going on right now, and we have a guest with us, Ras Jamal from Royal Ethiopian Sound. Give thanks, it's an honor. Yeah, man. So, Agard, um, I'm gonna start with you. Like, you know, what, what, what? Be, how would you define a revolutionary song? A revolutionary song. So, first of all, it's a commentary of the times to me. I guess the song addresses mostly for me injustice, and sometimes can can be social commentary on what happens as a result of that injustice. When I was doing, you know, my little research for this, it actually inspired me to want to do a mix. Because, you know, there's a lot of songs out there that are not only revolutionary songs to me, but they're very heartfelt songs, you know, that I didn't even realize the level of attachment that it had to not only me emotionally, but the educational aspect of it. You know, to me, a revolutionary song also indicates the history of what's going on and and how we can overcome it. So outside of the textbooks, you know, that we don't learn this information you know, I feel like a lot of uh, reggae music has been responsible for me wanting to look up certain things because I've heard in the music. And I think that, to me, that's uh, revolutionary music, you know? Okay. Jamal, how would you, you know, what would be your take on it? Well, you're asking about a revolutionary song. I think that we have to first look at what is a revolution, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Some people do look at revolutions as fighting a political entity or or something to that effect. But my perspective on it is that revolutions have to do with uh, a whole mindset of a people. And this is in every aspect of life. This can be love, meaning like relationships and how you deal with people, how you deal with a significant other, uh, your food, your diet, you know, your spirituality, knowing your history. Uh, It's a revolution definitely that needs to be had there revolution in the political sense which is i guess the common the the common idea that comes to mind when we first think of revolution i think that looking at defining what revolution is 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 first and foremost i also think that sometimes we have to look at the times or the situations of the people at that particular time and the things that they're going through when we define those things or identify those things we can see ways that 
people express themselves uh, against what they see is is oppressing them. You know, Reggae Lover podcast, of course, is dealing uh, primarily with music, but it's also an entire culture that comes along with music that we define as reggae. True. I think that the songs that we consider to be revolutionary reflect the experiences of the people in whatever aspect it may be. We're going to talk about our top five revolutionary songs in a little bit. So from what I hear you saying, you know what I mean? You're going to have some food revolution songs and, <laughs> you know, what I mean? some uh, different type of revolutions in, in the mix. Yeah, I think that when we look at our nowadays artists, especially, we have to realize that that's some of the topics that they're bringing to the table. That type of revolution can't be excluded. So, yeah. you know ancient music as some people call it you know from the 70s you know early 80s or even the 60s was really about the equal rights and justice fight that was going on during those times so you know we have to take that into consideration for even some of the protests going on nowadays black lives matter movement and is that how what we're calling it (laughs) you know i'm saying the black power movement yo the music that a lot of people are, are playing, you know what I mean? It's like that same Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, you know what I'm saying? Bob Marley, Peter Tosh. That's the stuff I'm hearing on radio shows. That's stuff that, you know what I'm saying? The quotes that people are posting, it's a lot of the same, the music of the 60s, the 70s, you understand? So it's like it almost seems like there's no soundtrack for today. Um, even within reggae music, like I've heard, you know, I'll watch Democracy Now! and programs like that, and they'll squeeze in different genre of music, you know what I mean? Hip-hop, R&B, whatever, American music, you know what I'm saying, for the revolution, basically. Like, timely, brand new stuff. But I haven't really heard that type of response from dancehall and reggae artists. I would agree. Um, I do think that you have some artists who are doing other types of work in the revolution. But, you know, as far as on a musical aspect, I haven't heard very much in being released recently. I do think some of those artists may have some songs that were released years prior to what's going on today that relate directly to what's going on today. I think that songs that you hear from the 70s if we consider them to be like prophecy then Mm -hmm. the message that was put out by the artists of those days in those songs hasn't been fulfilled yet right right and that's why those songs are still relevant today true you know even if we hear songs that have a similar message it may not have as much of a a fire behind it as the the older songs because at that time, when those songs were coming out, that was the, the cry of the people. Chronics put some statements out here recently that he was talking about responses to some of the injustices that were going on. And he was talking about protests and just the method that people are using today to respond to those things that people have been doing those same things since the early days. And there have been no changes in what's going on. And he was calling for a new type of response. 
you know, his suggestion was a spiritual type of response. However, I agree with him that a different type of response needs to be had, because if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same type of end result. And I think that what the cry across the world is that we want to see a different result. The thing is that people are not necessarily doing different things to get that different result. So to be interesting to see what happens in the near future. Yeah. There hasn't been anything consistent. You think of protesting and you think, to me, you think of um, the 60s, the civil rights movement. And at some point, the civil rights movement ended. Now, why did the civil rights movement end when, in fact, we didn't get <laughs> civil rights? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't really get the civil rights. You know, the right to vote was granted. They murdered, like, the leaders. You know what I'm saying? They dropped bombs. They jailed people. Into the 70s, you had the Black Power, um, Black Panther movement, which the government snuffed out you know, with powerful and strategic moves. The difference now is that you have what what's, we have complacence. Well, I, you know? if you, you call it complacence, and I can agree with that, but I think that it's more of a pacification. That is Passivity? Uh, well, I think that... Appeasement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that if we look at what's happening today, let's use some, some examples. You have a lot of big corporations or businesses that are doing things like changing logos and and they're changing slogans and they're changing several aspects of their companies that have been in place since you know I've seen some that have had their slogans or whatever their logo since like 1914 or 1916 so these things have been there since day one but they never felt the need to change. The reason why, I, my, from my perspective, they feel the need to change today is because people are talking about boycotting and not supporting those businesses anymore. So the pacification that's given to the people is, hey, I'm going to change this logo or Aunt Jemima, I'm going to change the, the, the bottle or you know some of the other companies because that would give people that are against whatever it stands for the idea that it has changed. The Reality, idea. Yeah, the, the idea. The, the illusion. The illusion. <laughs> yes, that's a, a good word. It's a pacification. So it kind of kills the fire of mm -hmm. whatever the revolution and the re revolt is all about. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's problematic. And I think that that has been the same cycle that has been going on when it's been a major uprising since as far back as we can we can think. Yeah, you're right about that. They they just change the tactics. Um, it gets put in a different place, and you know the the fight changes because we don't we don't see where the enemy went, so we don't know how to uh, address that enemy. You know what I mean? They make it look differently, and uh, it seems like we're slow to adapt sometimes to that. I agree with that. I think that a lot of people consider something like slavery to only be you're in physical bondage and chains and you're working on a plantation and you get in beat with whips and those kind of things and they feel like that's slavery. But when we look at today's society, you have, we're still in forms of slavery as far as 
our positions in society. You know, we're still doing things that benefit the ones that are in power. It's no different than the idea of slavery from, you know, slavery's inception. The only thing mm. is we think is totally different now because we're not physically in the bondage of chains. So we, oh, slavery's over. No, the whole mentality is still in existence. And I think that that's why, because people don't see it in the physical, they overlook it. Right. Not seeing that they may work for the oppressor, get paid by them, pay taxes, turn around and spend the majority of that money back into (laughs) that system. And then, you know what I'm saying? Think that you're getting somewhere or you're doing something, feeling good about yourself. <laughs> yeah, don't think that this, this, these protests aren't benefiting the same people that you're protesting against. Uh, look at the, the millions of people all over the place that are at rallies, at you know marches or what have you. They're walking around holding up posters that they bought the poster from one of those same org- places that's empower your money is fueling that particular business the marker that you use to write black lives matter came from you know it didn't come from us it came from them so you know you are still contributing money to those organizations those businesses or or what have you um and people don't see that even in a sense where like myself i do a lot of cultivation or what have you and uh my idea would naturally be like you have several thousand people in one place protesting Black Lives Matter, what have you. Why not take that several thousand people and say, hey, let's go and, you know, a hundred here, let's go over and dig up this field and let's start planting some stuff. This one go over to this side. Let's go into this community. Uh, we can really do a lot of that energy that's put in, being put into marching can be used to help sustain our communities, you know, with just the manual labor. One of the problems that even comes in with that is that, you know, even tilling the soil, you have to get a tiller or something that came from, you still financing somebody else's business. So those are problems. Where are your seeds coming from? You know, is it something that we have in our community that's being, you know, passed on or are we buying them from Home Depot? You know, so there are several aspects of a revolution that people are not taking into consideration because one, it's not even being taught that we need to look into that as an issue. Right. I think that you have some people like uh, Marcus Garvey who spoke to this. Our scholars like John Henry Clark, he had a speech where he was talking about, you know, we do the wrong thing with our children when we allow them to decide what they want to study. They need to study what we need. They need to study, you know, if we need a certain amount of people to run our fisheries so that we can have food to survive, that's what they need to go and study because this is what is going to help us build a nation or build a state. The idea is if you even have to depend on your oppressor for even as much as a diaper pin, then you are not free. And I think that, you know, we do have scholars who have attempted to teach us those ideas, but who's listening, you know, that's problematic. I think people feel like protesting is the answer. No, we need to do something totally different. Yeah. I mean, my analogy is like, if this is a war, you know, and I've said this multiple times now, you know, you need to bombardment on many different levels. 
you know, from many different parts of society. It's not just one thing that can reach the enemy. You know what I mean? Definitely different strategies. And, you know, something else I wanted to touch on as well, like uh, I heard a quote today, I saw a video that shared, you know, they were interviewing um, John Stewart, a commentary comedian, whatever. What he said was very profound. He said, while, you know, black people have been fighting for equality, white people have been building equity. You know what I'm saying? And I think that speaks to exactly what's going on right now because we're putting across a certain sentiment, which is a true sentiment. It's a it's a real sentiment. But at the same time, we don't have a seat at the table. We didn't build our own table. Like, we don't have a table to, to sit at in terms of equity. You know, if you talk about real estate, if you talk about business, like you said, you know, all the different, um, you know, agriculture, all these different things, it's like, you're, you're right. Whatever it is that we do feeds that business. So if, if you want to talk about appeasement or, or whatever, or what have you, it's like, that's why these companies are doing that because they know that our dollar has some value. And if they lose that, you know, it, it's going to hurt their revenue. So, you know, it's just very interesting. Yeah. You know, people look at the obvious, like, you know, they say, look, you had a black president, we had Obama. You know what I'm saying? What do you work like? <laughs> why are you upset? There's no racism. But a lot of these companies have, they may have one or two black people who are, who they, you know, use as, I guess, the token. But when you check it, a lot of them, they're actually like the urban, they're like, they're like the diversity and inclusion representative or and something like that. You know what I mean? One. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're the only one. Yeah. And that's the only position. There's like, I saw like a graphic. There's multiple companies where like the only black person was, that was their role. Something about diversity and inclusion or, you know, like overseeing if it's entertainment media, it's like, you know, over the urban uh, department or whatever. I was going to draw an analogy back to the music. I think that's a good reason of why the music is the way that it is now. We're thinking that people need entertainment more than, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that education of what we actually need. And if the, the artists and the producers aren't really conscious enough to realize exactly how wicked of a time and climate that it is, it's very likely that their output is not going to reflect that. Um, but it's still, at the same time, I think the rise of consciousness that we're seeing right now is almost like unavoidable, you would think. There's people now who are getting behind the movement, they're reading, they're getting becoming active, people are voting for the first time, you know, all these things that never happened before. I'm still looking at dance hall, I'm still looking at reggae and saying like, wow, like, yo, there were a bunch of COVID songs. Remember we did the episode yeah. <laughs> Agar? Yeah. Yeah, like, I like, found yeah. like... Yo, I found like 20, 30 COVID songs, different languages, you know what I'm saying? Old artists, new artists, dance hall, roots. And now, look, what's going on? I do want to say, as far as from a music, a reggae music in particular, uh, other musics right now, I, I can't really speak on because I'm not necessarily a hip-hop connoisseur. I'm not a rap type of person or what have you. But as far as reggae music, I think one of the stereotypes, if we want to call it that, is that 
conscious music is Rasta music. And I think that because it's still the idea that I don't want to be a Rasta, then a lot of the cultural perspectives that you find in what we would necessarily consider to be uh, cultural music, people kind of, you know, step away from that as well. Uh, I want to big up Yeza because I watched one of her interviews at one point and she was discussing how because of the, the content of her music, she is always addressed as being a Rasta, you know, everybody's hailing her up as being like a, you know, a Rasta empress. And she explained that you don't have to be a Rasta to have consciousness about your history, about yourself, um, to know that this type of oppression exists. Um, you know, this, you can read books and find these things out. It's not necessarily, you know, the consciousness is not, specific to Rastafari. And, you know, that is something that I think society may not embrace as much. So I think she's an artist that my daughter Layla looks up to, loves the rebel empress idea, but it's things that she relates to within her own life. It doesn't, you know, Peter Tosh has a song, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your nationality, your spirituality. If you are black, you're going to be considered to be an African. You're going to be considered to be in a certain class or a certain place. And you're going to be treated a certain way. That doesn't mean that you're a Rasta. That just means that black people, we're in the same in that we're black or African. And we have a common struggle, you know, and how to overcome that. Learning your history, learning who you are, learning not just from a theoretical perspective, but from a practical perspective. These are the things that we need to do to come out of this type of situation. I was a part of a documentary when I I taught at Savannah State University, where, you know, I was explaining to the person who was interviewing me at that time that, you know, when we're looking at systems, usually when it's a revolution, people are fed up with that particular system. Having somebody like a a black president doesn't change the system itself. That's just putting a black face on the system. But the things that are oppressing the people are still there. You know, what needs to happen is that system needs to be done away with. You need to develop a system that works for you and your group of people and it addresses the needs of your people. And I don't think that the system, people are fed up with the system that's in place, not addressing their needs or, you know, oppressing them for who they are and looking to the system to change that is not, that's not sane. (laughs) It's not sane. Yeah. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole, 
film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Pita Bunny, the incidents happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley. And we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. And there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to have the professor here with us. You know what I'm saying? A lot of research has gone in. It's a good reason that we have in here, man. I still don't have an answer to where the reggae artists are um, with the revolution. Yeah, it's weird. Music. The music of this current revolution. At, like, even anecdotally, like, I see a lot of these artists, like, Father's Day just passed, right? And what I'm noticing is a lot of people shared who their fathers were. And I saw a lot of Rasta pictures. But, you know, um, and I know you don't have to technically be a Rastafarian to be conscious, but... I saw a lot of, you know, from the Jamaican artists uh, particularly, a lot of Rasta fathers, but the artists who shared or the people in the industry who shared that, I don't necessarily associate them with consciousness. And I know you don't have to be like your parents and this and that, but to me, that points to a little bit of a generational disconnect in a sense. You know what I mean? Just, just my observation from my small circle of people that I see, you know? I don't, I don't know if that really makes any difference, but that's what I notice. Well, look at the same thing that happened to the movements that uh, Khalil mentioned from the 60s and the 70s. Look at the children of those people who were Black Panthers or, you know, March with Martin Luther King or what have you. You know, a lot of those could be considered ones who put out music that we wouldn't consider very conscious yeah. as well. You know, if yeah. you're looking at it from, uh, they didn't want that smoke, man. They didn't want that. <laughs> they didn't want them problems. Yeah, to them, the eyes. fight probably was was done in their eyes. You know what I mean? Because they have a certain level of, some of these people have a certain level of economic status, and you know they they had a little bit of upward mobility as well. So they were pacified. Yeah, yeah. assimilation yeah. was the way to go. You know, as opposed to being a rebel. You know what I'm saying? If I, yeah, if I assimilate and stay quiet, then, you know, I can make a little money, have a little comfortable, you know, ride in, in a house with my family over here. 
nobody taking shots at me. And I think that that's really what it's come down to where, you know, you look to the young people. Usually the revolutions are fueled by youth. You know what I'm saying? It's by the time you reach to our age, you know, that that's when you kind of relax a little bit and let the young people pick up the torch, you know what I'm saying, and take to the streets. But, um, yeah, it's just a different time that we're in right now. Yeah, so, and I'll, I'll be interested to hear uh, what your reasoning is for, for why the silence, because I know you're about to get into it, uh, Jamal, about why artists aren't speaking up nowadays. You're... you're you're about to say something. Actually, I, I do want to commend some artists that okay. are, from my perception, doing some of the work that is necessary. It may not necessarily be in the music, but uh, I think, I guess that probably the top of my list for a female artist would probably be Janine. I think that she's about teaching like holistic health through her yoga, through her, you know, speaking about diets. Uh, if you've ever like actually had a conversation with her, you know, she's very conscious and very serious. She's very dedicated to the liberation of her people through all means, economic, uh, health-wise, food-wise, spiritual. That's no question. So I want to big her up. You know, I think it's some other artist protege, I think, is is doing great work as well. I think his is, you know, he's still upholding, you know, the diets and, you know, the, the health and those type of things. But I think that his is more from a, a economic perspective. If you look at him in the business, he's trying to teach people how to own for themselves, to own control of your, your master, yeah, intellectual your, property. Yeah, your intellectual properties, your master's. This is how you create the business for yourself. So you have don't have to depend on anyone else. Uh, I think Kabaka Pyramid, he's, I mean, I rate him like he's doing the work. I see him out there doing the work. So I'm not. Yeah, uh, he's been seen protesting uh, well, amongst other things. He's got music that actually, you know, he has the I Can't Breathe song, which... Uh, um, a couple of years back, I think it was Ferguson or um, Eric Garner, you know, stuff like that. I think lyrically, he's definitely putting some things out there that people need to, to focus on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think all of those artists have songs that definitely are upliftment to the people. Uh, right. Kabaka period can't breathe is one. Um, never going to be a slave is another. It's mm -hmm. just a lot. So, right. I think that probably because the revolution itself is different, sometimes we have to look for different things that are being used to combat what's oppressing us. Because just like the oppressors change their tactics, we need to change the response to those tactics. Um, so, you know, it might not be music that we need to be looking at, you know, unless we look at it from an economic perspective, like I said with Protégé. That's a big revolution because look at the artists that's coming up under him or even artists that's out there that's using the same uh, philosophy as he is. You know, that's 
where your power is, controlling your own. Not, I just put a positive song out, but it's for a record label that is an oppressor, you know? You're not, I mean, yeah, people may get your message, but it's still, where's the, the, the money going? Where is, you know, that whole other aspect of the revolution, where are those benefits going? It's not going to the people, it's going to those same oppressors that you're speaking against in your song. It's I mean, a, it's, I hear that argument, you know, but I feel like most, most reggae artists are not signed to a major label. They're not working for, you know, Viacom or Sony. You know what I'm saying? Most reggae artists are independent. And we're in a time where people are quarantined. People have been recording music and just chubbing chewing our road, you know what I'm saying, by the boatload, like low-quality music. I'm not singling out any artists in particular. I'm just saying this has been like the industry-wide overall tr- overall trend, right? You open your e- email and you have X amount of rhythm full of a tune, you know what I'm saying? And you look at the tune them. And you don't even want to play it all, you know, because it's like, yo, what is this? Yeah, I know what the feeling, bro. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. So, the man then now get those, that music for us, you know, it's free. You know, from what I understand, our people are not buying music like that nowadays anyway. So, it's not like it's a direct, like it's an economic thing. Like, I understand for Protégé, like, yeah, they're signed. They're getting much wider exposure and distribution. So, the potential for money is there. If there are sales, but as a whole for this industry, it's more supposed to be a grassroots thing. It's more supposed to be like, yo, I just the people that need. That's why when COVID dropped, you know, man, I put out quarantine tune. I'm just saying I don't hear the, you know, the soundtrack that to what's going on. You know, there's protest, there's police brutality, there's all these things that are, are surfacing and bubbling up. It's on video. Everybody's on social media every day. I, I understand what you're saying, that we have to look for other things. But, but why, why do you think that is? That's what I'm saying. I do not know why that is. I can theorize, you know, like we talked about with, um, with Walshie, that people are just kind of apprehensive and kind of shook, you know, and kind of don't want to say the wrong thing and face, you know, getting like dragged across the Internet <laughs> or something for for you know saying the wrong thing or facing you know maybe jeopardizing future opportunities for being too outspoken i mean these are theories that we can um we can guess at we can assume but i don't have yeah. an answer i would i would probably 85 percent agree with that perspective people are living in fear living in fear so i agree with you there yeah hey, i was gonna say that um with current recently with the shift in, first of all, globalization and, and certain economic entities within the music industry, right? Like there's no real sales, there's streams and there's all these things. So artists or creatives in general have been taught now that they are a company, they are a brand, right? And I think that kind of answers to what's going on. It's like, what does my brand represent, right? And that's, I think that's where the fear comes in. Because it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be this, right? And they put themselves in this box. And they say, I'm this artist. I represent this. And anything outside of that is outside of my lane. It's outside of my brand. So it's like they don't know what's on the other side of that. You know, 
it's not like before. Like, think about it. When, like, back in the 60s and 70s, you know, from what I understand, like, a lot of that music was, it was popular to be militant. It was popular to be about black power and black, you know, even if society at large, um, quote unquote, the conservative parts of society didn't approve of you, you're still touring, you're still doing a lot of different things. You're working with different artists that are getting exposure across the world. You know, we've seen the videos of Dennis and Bob and all these people going to, you know, places in France and Europe and America and to sold out crowds. You know, it was the popular thing. Right now, I feel like this time now, it's like, okay, like, uh, let's say the, the popular beaten stick right now is the six, right? <laughs> the six comes out and they're like, yo, we're the voice of this generation. We do this, 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 and that. And anything outside of that, they don't want to touch it because to them, it's going to alienate their, their, their following. I don't think they get the importance of what's really going on right now. I wouldn't use six as an, I agree, I <laughs> no, agree they, with it's you, just the first thing that pops into my head I wouldn't head. use them as an example because I wouldn't think to look to that like I'm not really speaking to them in what I'm really you know my whole yeah I mean we right could now. it's like if they if they hear it if they catch on if they do something different cool but I'm not ne- I would never expect that I would never right. bet any amount of money <laughs> that I would hear you know what I'm saying? A certain type of music from I mean, from we, that we spoke to, uh, you know, a, a longtime exec in the music industry, Neil Robertson. And, you know, the question I posed is right now, the reggae revival artists, you know, if you want to group all of them together, are, are re- very popular in terms of like the hope, you know, for people of our age and people a little bit younger. Um, they're the hope. Right. And I guess the question that was posed is why are they? so quiet you know and and i guess according to you jamal it'll be just different ways obviously to 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 enact a revolution i get that i agree with that also though the the you know as walsh would say the soundtrack of the revolution needs to be up front as well you know and i guess i guess for some reason it's like if there's silence it's it's louder than than putting out something you know what i mean like artists like it's what yeah. we've been saying. Like silence is is complicit. You know, silence is you know pretty much. You know, if you, if you don't have anything to say, yeah, it's assumed that you're almost like you're you're down with the oppressor, right? I'm and sorry. artists like Kabaka, That's they've just... been doing it consistently for years. So it's not like he's letting us down. You know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a weird place to be in right now, and I think everybody's trying to figure it out. Well, one thing I do want to say about some of the artists that we consider to be in the revival is that some are characterized as being in the revival because they don't put out slack lyrics. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean they're putting out conscious lyrics. It just means that the content of their songs are not what we would consider to be degrading the women or men or, you know, just our people as a whole. And I I do think that some, uh, you have to distinguish in those cases uh, because we may look to, and I'm not going to call an artist name, we we would probably look to certain artists who we would think would be 
oh, we should hear more positive stuff. They're being considered positive, not because their lyrics are conscious and about the revolution, but their lyrics are just not falling into what you would hear from some of those artists we might determine as being slept. I think, like I said, when I mentioned Yeza, is that most of the people that we probably consider to be the conscious artists are in fact Rasta, with the exception of Yeza and it's probably a very small few others. So we just might not get the topics that you're looking for from those artists that aren't pushing a culturally conscious uh, message in their music. There are artists like, say, Barris, Romaine Virgo, Chris Martin, you know what I'm saying, Tanya Stevens. They're not Rasta, but you know what I'm saying, like they're known for penning some songs that have some lyrics to them, you know what I'm saying, with some content, you know what I mean? And they have dabbled, some of them, you know what I'm saying, with some messages, especially Barris, you know, that could be in that, you know, root segment of your selection. Before we go into the top fives, you know, do the top fives after this. <laughs> um, I'll take the opportunity to just send a, a rest in peace out to Ake Becca. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's definitely a revolutionary in our in real life, you know, in, in these times, um, Fallen Soldier right there. Um, definitely. Saying big up on Midnight fans. Um, Shouts out to people like, you know, Luton Fire, you know, who doesn't get the limelight, who doesn't get the, you know what I'm saying, the... You don't hear a lot of his dubs and dance. You don't hear a lot of people spinning him, but he's got countless albums, countless tunes, actually a revolutionary artist. You know what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Um, those are the two that come to my arm. Queen Africa. I definitely you know heard too. Yeah, definitely. I didn't really consider them in my nowadays grouping of artists. Because yeah, because we, we talked about this. You know, there's really no, you know, when we talk about nowadays, you know, you, you know. It, it, <laughs> I it was kind of it cut off in twenty yeah two thousand ten you know like ten years ago all these guys were around from ten fifteen twenty years ago I get it but you know yeah but definitely those artists if I uh, still relevant if, oh yeah definitely the relevance they would definitely be in my root selection uh, I would draw for many of their tunes before I draw for some even newer tunes. Right, reggae revival grouping of guys. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, after just big that up, um, I think one thing that I know this topic of discussion isn't necessarily taught in schools. However, I'm also a, a school teacher and I try to use reggae music as a tool to teach uh, my students about cultural upliftment. Also, you know, even with uh, students who are from other ethnic groups, other races or what have you, uh, you know, what, as Bob Marley would say, is a concept of one love, you know. Uh, I think that a lot of the things that we face in society is something that's taught from generation to generation because the, it's the next generation that carries it on. At some point, we have to, like I said, it's on all aspects. It's your diet, your your health, your you know economic stuff. It's also in education as well. So if we have people that are teaching 
the children, how to coexist and how to basically end that type of oppression is, is very critical to mm-hmm. the newer generation. A regular level podcast is something that I play in my classroom. Thanks. Yeah, yeah definitely. Probably this pad, even though the school year never really finished because of the COVID thing, locking a song that I think my students gravitated toward is a song called Music is Life, and it's by Warrior King and Mr. Diamond. I think that that song, you know, it's a it's a, a message in the song, of course. Um, but that song, to me, is saying music is life. But when we look at, you know, from a broader perspective, music is something that has connected people across the globe. Uh, you mentioned earlier songs like Bob Marley. You hear Bob Marley songs in many revolutions or revolts across the world, no matter the group of people, because it's the message that's within the music that they relate to, they identify with, and they can see themselves in that particular struggle. I just look at some of the music that my students, like, oh, we really like this, and the reasons why they say they really like it. Uh, you know, certain episodes of regular level podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, some of the mixes that I would play, you know, while like some teachers play classical music. Now nah, I might put on a Khalil Wonder mix while they taking their tests, you know, and they they love it. You know, but why is that? It's a message that they identify with. So, you know, give thanks for putting that work out there. Uh, big up Warrior King. Big up Mr. Diamond for putting a song out there that really brought a classroom with different identities together almost under one banner to where they would request it like 10 times in one class setting or, you know, Mm -hmm. just because of that message. Give thanks. Big big endorsement right there. And big up to Warrior King too. You know what I'm saying? Like Warrior King, I think he got overlooked because um, maybe his music was too revolutionary and that's not what people wanted. I remember one night... We played at Aquarium in, in um, Stone Mountain alongside DJ Enough at the time when, you know, he was on BET. And we didn't do like a tune for tune, but we kind of like had like a back and forth at a certain point after we both did our sets. You know what I mean? So Peck and I, you know, we played, we killed it. I remember we got a chance to play like one more song and we were like, yo, this song is going to come and you know what I mean? This artist, look out for this artist. We were pushing that artist real hard, man. It was Warrior King. And I think we played, um, it must have been Virtuous Woman. <laughs> so it was kind of like a crossover crowd. You know what I mean? A lot of kids in there, hip-hop heads and everything. So we didn't really get a forward off of the tune, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Warrior King didn't end up blowing up like we thought he would. But, you know, when that first couple of singles from Warrior King dropped, yo, that, I mean, you, you, you remember that moment in time, yo? Like, yo, that yeah. virtuous yeah. woman, yo, that was huge. And then um, when he came with Never Go Where the Pagans Go, yo, huge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I remember those days. Um, yeah, man. It's a, well, speaking of Warrior King, he has a song called uh, Africa Shall Be Free. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. to me, that's an anthem. So, you know, that's a big tune. Yeah. Whenever my day come and, you know, the people of the world ever want to remember Rosh Jamal, you play that tune because that <laughs> Africa shall be free. Big up everyone in the world who knows that song or has listened to that song or identify with that song. 
but that is definitely a Rosh Jamal anthem. All right, you know, I'll go last. Rosh Jamal, you're the guest. Royal Ethiopian sound, top five revolutionary songs. Well, my first song is a song by John Hope uh, named Police and Helicopter. Uh, that's my number one revolutionary song. And I think it's more the concept. Uh, of course, it's a song speaking about ganja. Um, but I think that if the philosophy that's applied in that song is applied to every aspect of oppression that's going on for our people, that we will see change. You know, he has the lyrics that uh, if you continue to burn up the herbs, we're going to burn down the cane field. It's a direct, if you do this to us, we're yeah. going to do this to you. That causes people to back up from, well, you know, it's going to be some type of consequence or some type of, if we do this. Cause and effect. Yeah, it's a cause and effect. But, you know, he's really talking about an establishment that's uh, attempting to destroy the way of life for people. You know, he's talking about police, you know, in the cane, uh, in the uh, herb fields. He's talking about, you know, uh, the soldiers and they're trying to destroy something that is a method of survival for the people that he's referring to inside of the, inside of the song. Right. So he's saying that if you continue to treat us this way, we're going to do this and it's going to be the same act of force that you are putting against us, I think that that is the ultimate statement as far as a revolution. Yeah, that's yeah. a big tune, big tune. And anthem. My second tune is actually, I, I, I chose more of an artist. It's Bob Marley. Um, I think probably the number one tune is uh, War, which we know that that's a speech by Haile Selassie, 1963 to the United Nations, I think that that message is clear. I encourage everyone to find the actual speech by Haile Selassie and read it in its entirety because Bob Marley's message in war is just a snapshot of what he was talking about. So please find that and, and check it out. Um, I think that he has, uh, Bob Marley has other songs that present a different aspect of revolution. He has a song called Roots. I think that that song definitely wouldn't be received very well by the LBGT, uh, however, whatever the letter combination is behind that, that community. But in that song, Bob Marley's talking about, he's identifying certain aspects of society. I think that, you know, that song, of course, from the 70s, if it were played now, is something that that community would ban. Because in the song, he's talking about, he calls a certain group out saying they're a dry wood for the fire, you know? And I don't know if he was using Webster's Dictionary or what have you, but that is the definition of a word that's derogatory to people in that LBGT uh, community. So that was Bob Marley. Everybody thinks that he has a song, you know, man to man is so unjust, but that song Roots to me is much more powerful in that sense. Uh, he also talks about, in that particular song, you know, they need that dry wood to cook their raw food, which, of course, the Rasta lifestyle was against, you know, even certain dietary habits. But, you know, it's a certain way of life 
that they promote, not just that community, but the oppressors, you know, and we look at our diet, you know, the things that are in the foods that we buy in grocery stores and those types of things are the chemicals that's put in place, the chemicals that's put in our soaps, our detergents, our everything that you can think of that has, you know, vaccines have some kind of chemicals in them. But Bob Marley to me is putting a message out in that song that kind of burns out these different aspects of society. And if you listen to the song, it's really easy going and you might not mm-hmm. even know it's something that might just go way over your head. Um, yeah. You know, of course, redemption song. Um, I think that. Hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out, time out. Is this, you're still on number two? You're still on your second song? With- yeah, I, like I said, it's an artist. So you're just going through the catalog. All right, all right. Yeah, Re- Bob Marley catalog is number two. All right. Yeah, Redemption Song and Burning and Looting. I think okay. if you hear Burning and Looting, then just when the bass line come in, you want to burn down something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that the lyrics in that is definitely. Uh, definitely prolific as far as a revolution goes. Uh, Number three, I think, is also a person versus a particular song, and it's Peter Tosh. He has equal rights, African. He has a song called Old Bumba Clot. And, you know, as the Wailers, the song 400 Years, uh, 400 Years was sung by Peter Tosh. So that's why I keep that up under him. I mean, he says it best, no matter where you come from, as long as you're a black man, you're African. My fourth is actually a a tune. It's Dennis Brown Revolution. Okay. He's talking about, do you know what it means to have a revolution? And are you ready to stand up and fight? Uh, You know, is it just like a soldier, you know? Are you ready to do what it takes? You know, because the revolution is not a game. It's not something that's play play, you know. And my number five tune is a Barris Hammond tune. It's called Another Day in the System. No matter how many times I hear that song, it it it, it incites something in me. And he's talking about, you know, it's another day in the system and the people want to change. And mm. he's saying that basically the leaders just don't care about the people whether we live or die, as long as they get their share or whatever it is, you know. He's also talking about if we think the price is too high, you know, in a revolution, then it's going to be another day in the system. You know, he's basically saying, you know, we need to start a coup. We need to burn down the system. We need to totally take up arms and go against what's oppressing us. If we think it's too much of a cost in order to do that, we're going to be in the same situation that we're in. I guess I got an honorable mention or two, you know? Um, yeah. I think that it's more so because it relates directly to me. Uh, it's an artist by the name of Ja Israel. He has a, a, a tune by the name of Better Than That. And mm-hmm. it speaks to a real life experience that I actually had November 2nd, 2008. Uh, I had a little party at my house and I had some, uh, one of my brethren that was here, he needed to ride home. So I was, I took him there, you know, I I stopped at the post office, you know, to check my post office box before I dropped him off at his house. 
long story, but police in the parking lot, he was there the whole time. As I left, he was behind me, turned on his lights. I was like, well, you know, since it was not an issue, I was leaving a parking lot. I just kind of moved over. He got behind me. Next thing I knew, we're surrounded by six police cars, guns in your face. They dragging us out the car, slamming us on the ground, uh, popped out locks out of my hair, bust up my brethren face in his hand, detained us for like two, three hours. It was just a, a whole thing. Nearly, you know, they could have killed us easily. And that song talks about the treatment of uh, black people by the police. So it's something that definitely I identify with directly. I, that's my five. Oh, man. Okay. Definitely learned a, a lot with that. Especially I the- I gotta the, look up that Barris. Yeah, I gotta look up the Barris. Uh, there's a few tunes, uh, even before your list, that I gotta look up. You know, I'm not up on it like you and Khalil nowadays. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So you made my uh, my list a little bit easier. Because I also had uh, War by Bob Marley and the Whalers. And I also had Revolution uh, from Dennis Brown. And I was hesitant to put them on my list because I went, like, they're so um, ingrained in me that I I sometimes want to put something different, just like a a different look. And I know they're popular songs, but I think I, I put them on my list for the same reasons you did. You know, the lyrical content posing those questions like yo are you ready to stand up and fight like just like a soldier like i like that also wow i guess a third song (laughs) i'm looking at my list equal rights pizza tosh is also on my list so i guess that means i have two (laughs) yeah but you know great minds you know yeah yeah definitely so uh for my two i guess the first one would be unchained by bob andy Mm. um the messaging in that song it talks to mindset, you know what I mean? Like you, you talk about different types of revolutions and revolution of the mind, you know, is 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 a big one because, you know, we, we, we won't have the energy to persist unless we can really envision what it means to to be joyful in freedom and equality and, and, and set ourselves free for certain mindsets, which, you know, um, in modern day society is very difficult. So Unchained by Bob Andy, you know, just these take these chains away and set me free. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 one of those things to where it's like, you know what, I'm I don't want this anymore. You know, and you gotta make up your mind to do that. And the other one, Declaration of Rights by the okay. Abyssinians. That song for me uh, Yeah, whenever I hear it, it's just like I can't even explain, you know. It's like an emotional experience when I hear that song. Yeah, I mean, I, you could probably describe a lot a lot better than me, but I don't know. For some reason, that song, um, I guess both of my songs that weren't also on your list, you know, deal with a, a freedom of the mind, you know, like first first and foremost, like understand you have you, you should be free and what it takes to be free. You know what I mean? So, and I was just going to say like... Um, the reason why these songs, you know, all of the songs that I listed, you know, were of a generation before I was, you know, I was I was here. You know what I mean? And what you said early earlier definitely resonates with me. Like there's 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 a bunch of things that haven't been answered, haven't been realized yet. So they're still very very re- relevant in this day and time, and and even now more than ever. You know what I mean? So. 
those were those were uh, the two that uh, were not on your list as well. <laughs> well, I do want to say that your list, your songs would be on my list as well. But I think we said five. five. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I know no, it's so limited, it's so right? difficult. Yeah. yeah, and and so, and another thing I would say is I did come across a few songs that were more current that are revolutionary songs. But I'm gonna be quite honest with you. Um, sonically, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, it, it just didn't hit me as a as as potent as as some yeah. of these songs. So yeah, man. Yeah. But that Declaration of Rights, just the rhythm, the rhythm alone, the horns. Like before they even get into the lyrics, you know what I'm saying? Like it's already a forward, like the drums, and then the, the harmonies. <laughs> yeah. It's just like yo. I don't care what the tune, you know, it's just like, yo, pull up that tune. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Like, what? You singing lyrics on this too? Like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And, um, yeah, Revolution, you know, I'm a big D. Brown fan. So, you know, thing about that, I love that tune, but I feel like in the, like, in the third verse or the breakdown or whatever, you know, he's like singing about living in love and all this stuff so so that yeah. you know like not to be like all technical but you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's what took it off my list that's basically all you guys well well maybe in order to live in love you have to have a revolution i mean yeah obviously you know love is what really fuels you know it's what's being snuffed out that has you know the system of hate has to be overthrown and and only love can do that. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, I almost took it off my list too because of that very same reason. Okay, okay. So. And it's interesting we <laughs> haven't had a conversation about that before. But yeah. I do agree with the reason why I kept it there was because of the reason why Agar just said. So I thought about that and I had to pull a meditation on that tune because the message itself in the tune is what I stand for. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. So I would tell everybody who hasn't already is not familiar with the part three for revolution. That's also a very big tune. You know, you know, I'm talking about the part three with Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man just had the big verses. Everybody knows who they are now. But yeah, there there was a remix to Revolution with with them two and and Dennis Brown from the '90s, and each of them have like some serious verses on the tune too, like mm -hmm. same sentiment of the tune, just DJing it from the top, you know, DJs in the business. So yeah, man, that, that's some big music right there. I guess it's my top top five time now. So yeah, you know, I had to cut you off when you were doing the whole Bob Marley like listing off his catalog. You know what I'm saying? Because I was just like, "Yo, you already said War, bro." Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? so and I battled with War as well. Um, so if um, my list was longer, it would be on there. But um, I had uh the Burning and Luton, which Jamal mentioned. Oh yeah, the first few lyrics. You know, this morning I woke up in a curfew. And oh God, I was a prisoner too. And then the chorus is burning and looting tonight. So it's like, you need to listen to this right now. Like <laughs> if you are going out and protesting or not, you know what I'm saying? I know you're mad as hell. And this song will just help you out <laughs> with those emotions. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And then uh, the song 
Revolution from Bob Marley is my second, and that's featured on the Nancy Dread album. And Revolution, kind of like the emotion is kind of sad, that but it's very serious too. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it really embodies a lot of what we're going through right now and um, what we're feeling. And, you know, you have to play like the whole song or like at least three to four minutes into it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's when Bob says, you know, if a fire make it burn and if a blood let it run and all mm-hmm. these things. You know what I'm saying? So all those who who thinking like Bob Marley is all peaceful and everything, no. You know what I'm saying? No, no. no. <laughs> By any means necessary. So that's revolution. My third one, I'm gonna bring it modern. It's by Sizzler Kalenji, and it's made of. Ah, uh, yeah. It's on the Exterminator label. Rest in peace to Fatis Burrell. And made of, you know, Sizzler is asking, hypothetically asking, what what are black people made of? You know, truths and rights, African tradition. He mentions that we're in the Western Hemisphere, or we were brought to the Western Hemisphere. They couldn't break us. And then the chorus, you know, is just like, burn. <laughs> burn, you know, with a strong bass line, you know, burn, burn down Babylon bass. So I feel like all of my songs, like my definition of, revolution is very close to you know webster's or whatever if you would look it up it's overthrow overthrow of a system of an oppressive system so there's a lot of burning and yeah just really burning burning and looting (laughs) so the next one i have is another bob marley and that's slave driver and that one was covered by um dennis and um gregory and and some others as well Slave driver, your your fire is burning. Catch your fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're gonna get burned. Like that's pretty much <laughs> um that's pretty much it right there. So further down on my list, you know, we, I get into some other things, but my top five is just fire. <laughs> Definitely. Everybody had this one, equal rights and justice, um, equal rights Peter Tosh. Definitely. So that proves if all three of us have it in our top five. That's that's the number one. That's saying a lot right there, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know what's crazy about that song, too? Um, I, I told Khalil this. So for my nine to five, you know, I work in a, um, basically an audiovisual equipment rental company, right? And there's this older uh, Caribbean gentleman uh, that, you know, in order to test out all the speakers, he plays a bunch of, you know, reggae music. And that's his favorite song to play like i'm talking about eight hours a day all day he'll he'll just keep it on repeat and it's a very interesting thing because you know the makeup of my (laughs) my uh job isn't um you know let's just say there's 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 a lot more white than there is uh black so i got better than you i'm the only black teacher at my school but yeah wow yeah man and yo this dude (laughs) just plays revolutionary music all day every day you know, and every now and then when he wants to change it up, he, he plays uh, Baby Got Back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Peter Tosh, you know, Culture, you know, Bob, all these people, and then and then Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> it's right. crazy. Yeah, man. The thing about Peter Tosh, um, Equal Rights, um, also I feel the same with, like, Steppin' Razor and um, some others of his songs. It's, it's just like, even if you're not, like, even if you're not putting it in reference to 
black liberation movement. His music is like the ultimate, like, fight for the underdog music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, yo, you know, rise up and conquer your bully or, or whatever. You know, like, big up, big up that spirit in, in Peter Tosh, man. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So my honorable mention would be Fire Upon Rome from Anthony B. Oh, Paul and his scissors and um, <laughs> yeah like he literally had a list of people that yo and like yo jamaica just banned that tune like as soon as they heard it they're like oh no <laughs> this can't be this music can't play <laughs> yeah that's another artist that should have been definitely a lot bigger anthony b he had a great run he had a great run yeah. we're still running yeah he's still, you know same yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same well, thing like like Luton, you know. He he's yeah. like one of the people, you know. You talk about um activism, like he's, you know, wherever he is, he's got movements going on. He's protesting. He's speaking to children. He's, you know, what I'm saying. Well, Luton Fire actually has released a lot of songs recently. So you know, right? Yeah, Luton Fire has been releasing oh. a lot of songs. Like I can probably think of at least five, maybe that's just recently come out like during at least the covid time you know so yeah and anthony b always had yeah he's released a a week yeah i've seen a few new songs from him as well i just didn't consider them in the nowadays artists because they've been around but yeah they definitely putting in some work and the message in the tunes that they're putting out there you know big them up you know respect to them uh they're still carrying the torch and using that torch to burn down Babylon. So yeah, I mean, you could probably throw Sizzler in that same bucket as well. Yeah, Sizzler's come with some new ones as well. So you know, give thanks for them. At least we have some ones out there that are giving some music that's uh, answering to you know what we're looking for. It's not a total silence from those ones that we have rated throughout the years. I think mm-hmm. your concern more has been with the the very newer artists or the nowadays artists you know i would even suggest some books yeah man you know like i said i i think it's definitely i think it's like i said i think the revolution is more than just music you know i got a reading list if you got some time yeah definitely it's a a book called yurugu it's by marimba ani um it's another book by amos wilson called blueprint for black power it's a book called asafo uh, by Imwalimu Baruti. Uh, he's actually in Atlanta. He was is my teacher. Um, he's actually who gave me the name or gave me the title Asafo, which means warrior scholar. It's a book called The Sankofa Movement, Re-Africanization and the Reality of War. And that's by a family, the Okotos. The Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams. Mm-hmm. That one, uh, right. And it's yeah, it's not just limited to, you know, I guess, U.S.-based authors. You also have, of course, works by Marcus Garvey. Uh, you have books by Eric Williams. You have Walter Rodney, uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. And that would, I guess, relate to you guys being from yeah. Guyana, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that those books are, I guess, uh, generations that probably come from maybe before our time, probably with the exception of Mwalimu Baruti, but those messages are what's still relevant. You know, as I said, yeah, as I said earlier, it's, it's, it hasn't changed. 
you know? So definitely check those out. Anything by Dr. Ben, anything by John Henry Clark, anything by Chancellor Williams, be good to go. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because, I mean, as I was saying before, I mean, I, I didn't really think of it until you started saying that, but my generation, I think our parents, at least my parents, you know, they read a lot of those things, but for some reason, you know, I got some catching up to do. You know what I mean? Just like before we were talking about the artists who, you know, have Rasta parentage or, or stuff like that, who it's like certain things may not have been passed down or, you know, generationally. I think um, a lot of us definitely have, uh, speaking for myself, actually, some catching up to doing those readings, especially somebody like Walter Rodney. You know, I was actually introduced to him, not introduced to him, but his work um, my first year in college, you know, and I, ironically, I, I go home and I'm like, yo, dad, you know, <laughs> did you know about Walter Rodney? He's like, yeah, look at the book sh- bookshelf. You know what I mean? Well, his cousin, so his cousin yeah. taught at Clark while you were at Morehouse. I graduated from mm-hmm. Morehouse as well. Uh, these are my Morehouse brethren. So give thanks for the experience in yeah, the man. AUC. But his cousin actually taught at Clark while we were there at Morehouse. Yeah. Yeah, man. Amazing. Well, I think that was really good, fellas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Raj Jamal, Royal Ethiopian yeah, Sound. Man. Give thanks. You know what I mean? Really appreciate the reasoning. Great information, especially the book list there at the end. Give thanks, you know, because Highlander Sound is the sound that I consider my father sound in the business, you know? I didn't have an experience of being up under a sound system even when I was in Jamaica or what have you. It was my introduction to the sound, actual business of sound system that came from Atlanta. And now my daughter, Layla Ayana of Special Listening Sound, she's a 10-year-old who has her own sound. Yeah, man, she buy too. Yeah, man, let me hear our play out. She buy. This would be Highlander's grandchild <laughs> in the sound business. So, you know, she knows at least, you know, that part of the history that a lot of the things that I teach her is something I learned from Highlander Sound. So I give thanks that, you know, I've learned so much from you that I've been able to in turn teach that to a generation that came after me. So, you know, your heritage is being passed along. Sounds very auspicious. Big up, so how can people follow you, Jamal? You know, tell people where, where they can find different things that you're involved with. Well, I'm on Instagram at Royal Ethiopian Sound. That's an easy way to get a hold of me. I don't post as much as some people do, especially uh, reggae sounds. But if you want to get in contact, with you, we can DM me there easily. I'll mm-hmm. respond to you right away. Um, if you look at my page, you might see a bunch of wine. That doesn't mean I'm like some kind of alcoholic. <laughs> I make, I make wine. I make, uh, my brand is Royal Ethiopian. So my wine is called Royal Ethiopian wine. It's a honey wine. So if you see those types of pictures, that's me. Or uh, you can also see my daughter, uh, doing her sound thing. I post videos with her there as well. Or, uh, uh I guess a direct email is, uh, Asafo, that's A-S-A-F-O-J-A-M-A-L at Gmail. Um, I'm in the Savannah area, Savannah, Georgia. So if you're looking for me, you want a reason, you can DM me, email me, I'll respond. You know, you just want to play some music or you're looking for bookings, I'm here. 
Enough love to the whole Savannah Massive and crew, South Carolina crew as well. Love to all the students and um, especially, you know, Layla, specialist in sound. You know what I'm saying? Anna, respect. Yeah, man. Thank you again, Jamal. Appreciate it. Yes. All Give right. thanks. Bless up. Bless. Yeah, man. Big up Rush Jamal. Big up Royal Ethiopian Sound. Appreciate you, bro. We're going to be featuring the songs that were mentioned in that main segment in a new playlist on Pandora. So curated by Reggae Lover. It's going to feature the top fives and some of the other tunes that were mentioned. Look for that on Pandora. Also look out for the Tastemaker playlist. Now available on Pandora. Our new additions to the Tastemaker this week are going to be the new Protégé album. The whole album. <laughs> no, I definitely want a bigger Protégé on the release of In Search of Time. It's a 10-track release with features from Coffee, Wiz Khalifa, Lila Ike, as well as Popcorn. My favorite song on the album right now is the Lila Ike song entitled In Bloom. Wicked piece of Lovers Rock song right there. Definitely check that out. The overall vibe of the album is very sharp lyrical delivery as well as wordplay. Yeah, man. So definitely check out the one with Coffee. The song, the way they're flowing on that one is pretty impressive. It's pretty unique. I'm digging the whole album. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. So we're going to put some choice singles from the album on the playlist on Pandora please check that out also want to big up Savannah who just released a new EP as well and the song Mango is doing really well right now it's gaining traction the video is dope the song is lovely I love you like Mango by Savannah those are going to be the tastemaker selections check out the playlist on mm-hmm. Pandora once again to get the full vibe of all the songs curated by Agard and Khalil Wanda here on the Reggae Lover Podcast. And of course, visit ReggaeLover.com so you can read all of our show notes, check out the music videos, and find links to the music that we are pushing. So we have an interesting buzzworthy. So Salam Remy, the producer, the famed producer, you know, who has produced hits for Amy Winehouse, Nas, did an album with Spraga Benz. Very influential and successful producer just came out with a new track from Supercat the Dan Dada and the way how I heard the song was by watching the video so yeah I mean it's kind of like buzzworthy tastemaker type of thing you know Supercat doesn't come around uh, with new music very often for certain reasons I guess you know which are apparent apparent to uh, industry in the insiders but anyway Salam Remy you know he kind of flipped the uh, cabin stabbing rhythm you know uh, about a half a year ago maybe or maybe even a little bit more uh, he actually voiced a song from Akon on the track it's actually a pretty good song didn't get popular but it's definitely something that I'll put in my DJ set the Supercat one I think it's buzzworthy because Supercat hardly ever comes out with new music. And what's even more buzzworthy about this is that Supercat will be having an album come out soon. So, you know, that's definitely buzzworthy for me. I mean, I would like to hear what a, what a nowadays Supercat album would sound like. Yeah, everybody need, needs to just 
go and check out that Supercat song. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it is a big deal that the Wild Apache is releasing music again. Definitely, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Please let me know. Hit us up at reggaelover.com, reggaeloverpodcast at gmail.com, or info at reggaelover.com. Let us know what are really your thoughts on the new music from Supercat, The Wild Apache. Yeah, and I'll also say listen to the song before you watch the video and see if hearing the song versus seeing the video changes anything for you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Please share the links to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give us a plus one, a thumbs up, a like, a retweet, a repost. All these things. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you again. Until next time. Peace. Stay safe. Peace. Regular Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit regulover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at regulover.com. Follow us on Instagram at Regular Podcast. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Regular Podcast. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Pita Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there... I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley.